everyone welcome to the fortress of comitude podcast i'm tyler i'm mary we're here with philip cv for a bonus episode we did a, a interview with him and dan uh wickland they're doing a, a book for top cow and image called the freeze it's going to come out in december we did a talk just specifically on that book so make sure it'll be out you know the same time this episode's out so if you haven't heard that one go listen to that one uh but we wanted to get kind of a sit down with phil and just kind of talk about you know, more specifically his career and some of the other stuff he's done, just kind of comic book art in general. So, Phil, thanks for hanging out with us for a little bit longer. And Oh, no problem. Thanks for having me in. I know it's it's been months of us talking about this and my, hey, my crazy schedule Comics to are, find the time. Yeah. <laughs> Putting in a lot of work, dude. That's it's, what happens when you It busy. happens. Yeah, yeah. Something like that. That's what I'll, that's what I'll say. <laughs> if anyone doesn't believe Phil's busy, just check his social media because he's constantly drawn. But... He spends all his time on Twitter tweeting. Yeah. Actually, I don't. I had to put a social media limiter on my computer. I say I had to. You can to. do that? I voluntarily did it, yeah. Or I set like the amount of time I'm allowed each day oh, really? just I so I can do focus and get away some, from some of the negativity. And so I, I spend oh, less God. than an hour so toxic, on all, yeah, all social media, except for Instagram because you can't time that on your computer. Um, <laughs> so like, yeah, for the past like three or four weeks, I've only spent less than an hour every day, but I'll just hop on, tweet, and then hop off. So it might look like I'm on there all day long and not drawing, but I promise I'm only there to check notifications. <laughs> you're, I mean, you're, you're pretty active though on there, which I mm-hmm. love. I love Twitter is a really good place for fans to, you know, I guess communicate stuff with comic creators a lot. Sure. Yeah. Um, it's, it's really fun. I, I love seeing how active a lot of, you know, my favorite writers and artists and stuff are on there. A lot of times you can get responses and yeah. you can ask a question. A lot of times you will get a response back mm-hmm. depending on, you know, who it is and how busy they are, but and how nice you phrase your question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you got some guys that have been, you know, basically scared off Twitter or, uh, yeah. or kicked off Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> Dance a lot. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but you know, yeah, it'd be nice other guys. T- Twitter has become such a battleground, man. Yeah, it's gross. It's, it I'm is. not really on Twitter at all. Which is a good idea. I love Twitter though. I really <laughs> do. Like I love man. the good parts of Twitter. For sure, yeah. I just like there is good out there. You just yeah. gotta look a little bit harder for it. But. Yeah, no, it's it's true on on all social media platforms. <laughs> but uh, so normally, what we do when we have a guest on here for the first time, we do what we call comic book secret origin, which was okay. uh, our first episode we ever did. Was we had all of our just kind of our story of how we fell in love with the with comics, either as you know as a kid or a teenager or whatever. So, mm-hmm. what's kind of your story? What's some of the earlier stuff you read in the beginning that kind of you know got you hooked on here sure yeah it's, it's funny my earliest memory involves superheroes i was two years old and i was like a palm bear at my aunt's wedding i don't remember this part but i remember after performing my duties i got sat back down in the church pew and my dad reached out from under the pew and he had in a brown paper bag he had two secret wars action figures <laughs> he had magneto and iron man and that was my reward for doing a good job and that was my literal first memory i was less than two and a half years old so they kind of been in my DNA forever. I mean, I had the toys growing up and I watched every superhero cartoon I could get a hold of. And I had comics from time to time as a kid. I think I wrote and drew my first illustrated story, which was basically a comic when I was four. I did a Fantastic Four one and then a Mysterious Cities of Gold for all of you older people out there listening who remember that uh, Spanish import. It was a really cool cartoon. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, so I was nine years old. At that point, X-Men the Animated Series was out. Batman the Animated Series was out. And I think 
the golden age of superhero. I cartoons, don't think Spider Man had premiered, but it premiered in the next year or two. Yeah, Spider Man I think um, it was like ninety five. Ninety five, yeah. So and this Superman was, was ninety six. Yeah, like that. Yeah. And beyond ninety eight. I mean, they're yeah. just boom, 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 boom. So many good stuff. But this was ninety three. So X Men and Batman were both on the air. Yeah. Um, and I was walking through our mall in San Diego where I grew up. And there was a comic store there, and in the in the window they had stacks of X Men number one, the Jim Lee, Chris oh, yeah. Claremont X Men number one, and I was just like, oh my gosh, I have to get this, and I, I All bought 12 it. Twelve covers, exactly. <laughs> I bought the uh, Wolverine and Cyclops and Iceman cover because Wolverine's my man and has always been. Especially um, when Jim Lee's drawn it, man. Oh, it's yeah. hard, to, hard to go wrong. And I took it home and I opened, I read it, and it didn't make any sense. No, because if you've read that book <laughs> without context, it's absolutely mind-boggling. And, and Claremont's I mean, tough, dude. Claremont's tough to just hop in. I want to see what this. You know what I mean? That's yeah. tough to just take it in. And I mean, sort of that was right at the end of his 16-year run, and that yeah. was back when the art was dictating the writing too. But anyway, like I read it and I was like, "This is gorgeous. I want to be a comic book artist, and I want to collect comics." And that was kind of went back the next day and bought Rob Liefeld's X Force number one because oh, they had okay. stacks of that as well. The nine. 90s, man. It was great, and there was trading was. cards. I learned my entire comic book <sighs> history off trading cards because there was no internet uh, or Wikipedia. It was amazing. For the people it. who can't believe that there used to be no internet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so whenever someone's like, oh, we, we have to do a new number one or someone won't buy it because they won't, they're afraid of continuity. I'm like, whatever. Continuity was the coolest thing as a kid to oh, be like, yeah. all right, who is Cable? I have to find out who Cable is. Like, what can I read? Or where are my trading cards? Or where's mm-hmm. my wizard magazines? Or Oh, yeah. It was um, so nuts back then, too. You know, it was, yeah. just, it was so big. People forget how big a deal comics was in the 90s. You know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah, it was huge. It was. Um, and, you know, and then obviously I, I, I collected comics for a couple of years. The market crashed. All the stores in my hometown disappeared. A couple of years later, we moved. And I think my brother bought a wizard magazine. I was like 15. And he brought it home. And we had wizard from before, but hadn't bought it forever. And I opened it up and it was like all top cow because that was 98 okay. and everything was all top cow at the time. And it blew my mind. I was like, oh, my gosh, who is this? Mike Turner is the best artist ever. Uh, yeah. um, and then that got me back in. I started collecting regularly. I started preparing portfolio samples and started uh, taking them to San Diego Comic-Con and showing them around. And, and I was pretty much, you know, uh, dead to rights comic book uh, fan the rest of my life from that point on. Okay. And, and I, I, when I was about 19, 21, somewhere in there, I stepped away from comics for a couple of years, like as far as wanting to do them as a career okay. i still bought them and i still read regularly it was just one of those like oh no maybe i maybe i'm not good enough i'd brought my portfolio for years and gotten been torn apart um as you do and and that's i'm fine with that um and then as i was away for a couple of years i got a degree in corporate finance i got a job working for goldman sachs i was doing like the the responsible adult thing <laughs> um and i was just miserable like i hated it i hated my job um, I hated not being able to tell stories and I'd been writing all the time and still scribbling like I'd go into meetings and all my coworkers would just watch what I drew instead of, oh, I would pay attention. But, you know, like, what else are you going to do in a meeting <laughs> yeah. for hours? No, um, listen to the meeting. No, it obviously no. wasn't very interesting. No, it was terrible. <laughs> I've, I've yet to go to an interesting meeting. <laughs> exactly. I mean, growing up as a kid, my parents would always like hand me a piece of paper and a pencil when I was in like a church or something else where like they didn't want me to be rowdy. Mm-hmm. So I learned how to pay attention while drawing because it would oh, okay. it would occupy half my brain that would be crawling the walls it would be drawing and then the other half would be listening so every kind time i like the left yeah. side right side exactly thing, every yeah. time i'd get in a meeting i would just pull out a pad and like even yeah um so like yeah i wanted to get in i've been writing a ton because i could do that in my spare time um and i just wanted to get my stories out there and i, I started doing a web comic because i was like well I, I can kind of draw if i've, I've also dr- uh, grown up drawing um and i started doing a web comic and that just got me back into comics like all right this is like for sure what I need to do. And I've been reading the whole time, but mm-hmm. and that just kind of led. Um, I met some local creators in Salt Lake and then we all ended up at San Diego Comic-Con together. 
uh, six months later and they introduced me to other creators they knew. And one of them told me about Savannah College of Art and Design, which is an art school in Georgia. Um, and they had a master's degree in sequential art. <clears throat> So I was like, all right, I'm going to go get more training because obviously I haven't been able to figure it out on my own or else I would have had a job in comics by then. Yeah. Um, so the wife and I, we picked up <clears throat> and moved to Georgia and I got my degree at SCAD, the Savannah College of Art and Design, and um, moved back when we were done. And I just broke my way into comics eventually. It took a couple of years, but I'm here and they haven't kicked me out quite yet. It's a grind, right? You know? <clears throat> yeah, very much so. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, if it, if it was easy, everybody would do it, I guess, right? <laughs> I guess that's probably true. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I'm not doing it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh my, it's, it's one of those things I can just admire from a distance, man. Especially art. <laughs> I, I love I love watching drawing videos. I love watching, you know, some of the stuff people can do and like, you know, like quick quick sketches and stuff. You'll watch mm -hmm. like some of the videos like Jim Lee will do or Todd McFarlane will do. Like here's like a two minute Batman or whatever. I'm like, dude, I could I could sit down for two hours <laughs> and not come up with something that like looks even halfway, you know? So come I out just, with a stick figure. I really respect like the craft. Yeah. Like it's just I, I think it's a, it's such a talent, such a gift to be able to draw. So you were just a kid, I guess, that was always scribbling, always kind of, you always know, drawing, kind of just yeah. from the beginning. Yep. Do you, I guess do you ever keep any of some of that older stuff where you can kind of track your kind of progression or do you, <laughs> did your parents, I guess, kind of keep anything? Um, I don't know about the stuff, from, stuff as a kid. Um, I dug up my old portfolio case a couple of years ago and found all the samples that I'd sent to people over the years. And I scanned them and posted them on my Facebook account. I need to dig them up because after so many years, they get so buried. No one can see them. But I posted all the old, the terrible, terrible stuff that I brought to San Diego to show like Top yeah. Cow and the stuff I mailed Marvel and, and they're, they're horrendous and awful. And then you just even the stuff, you know, when I went, started in art school and my webcomic and then, you know, one of these, like every October, I think is a good time. Cause that was when I put together my first like professional sample when I was in art school and took it to New York Comic Con. I need to kind of do it like a, a then versus now comparison. I just Definitely. have to take the time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you put in the time. I would say, obviously, you're going to see that, you know, that progression of mm -hmm. even just, you know, probably from two years ago to now and who knows what you'll be in two years from now. I think you're always, especially like drawing as much as you do, always kind of honing the craft, I guess. More oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, there's, I, if I, if I never get better from where I'm at today and we're going to be in, we're going to be in trouble. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh, definitely. <laughs> I always want to be able to look back and be like, oh, I'm better today than I was yesterday type thing. Yeah. And that, that's, that's the mentality you got to have for sure. So who are, I guess some of kind of like, it's kind of a loaded question because there's so many, no, it's okay. so Go many for it. <laughs> talented people out there, but I guess in the beginning, I guess who were kind of some of your inspirations and stuff, some of your I guess your your top guys. I mean, maybe give me like a top five or something. Sure, Just, yeah. Um, obviously, Jim Lee. I guess if you were the X Men guy, Jim but. Lee was huge. Um, any of the Image creators were huge because they were the top Marvel guys before that, and that yeah. was all that I kind of honed into um, early on. And then when I came back as a teenager, guys like Michael Turner and Dave Finch were my idols. Oh. All my old samples look like really terrible clones, uh, yeah. and like terrible clones done by like some third generation cloning oh, experiment no. that does not even <laughs> resemble human. And, um finch is so underrated too finch is, oh. is fantastic yeah so like those were some of the ones that i that I, I latched on to as a teenager and then coming back in as a as a half-formed adult when i kind of got back in um on the professional side um artistically guys like Stuart eminent is incredible um is just has been for 20 30 40 years however long you see haven't been in 30, 20 years yeah. um he just walked away from it all too or supposedly just to slow down he actually he and his wife just opened an instagram account where they're posting like panels from a comic every friday 
Oh, I have okay. to dig it up on my phone. I just saw it flash across. So they, they, they do their own little little projects on the side. They did moving pictures was one. And I'm trying to remember some of the other projects they did just for fun on the side. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what they're doing now, um, okay. which is cool. So Stuart Immonen, Sarah Pichelli is absolutely amazing. Dave Marquez, Sean Gordon Murphy. Those are some of the artists when I came back in mm-hmm. that really kind of blew my mind. Definitely. Um, and I mean, yeah, we could go on forever and day. Oh, talking yeah. about writers forever. Brian K. Vaughn is one of my favorite writers of all time. And every time I read a Brian K. Vaughn book, I'm like, we all need to do better because oh, yeah. this book exists. <laughs> Saga, Paper Girls, oh, yeah. um, Why the Last Man, Runaways, or what I, you know, those are his, his just uh, absolute masters. Isn't that kind of the beauty of comics now, though, where it's like so much talent out there coming from every corner where it's like everybody kind of inspires, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? You read something from somebody else and it's like, constantly raising the bar for sure yeah because things like the walking dead came out and kind of shook everything and like saga now has become this thing that's bigger than anybody could have you know i mean it is you talk to most people saga is like the comic to read now most people will tell you you know so it's like what's going to be the next one you know Mm -hmm. it's just constantly raising the bar and i love that yeah so um, I know we got to bring up Gary Frank because I know you're a big. Oh, Gary Frank I love Gary guy Frank too. so much. So, yeah, <laughs> he's drawn a pretty big book for DC with Jeff Johns right now. So that's, you know. <laughs> only one of you guys' favorites. No, I just I just caught up on Doomsday Clock just like a week ago. I read issue he is seven. Killing so. those pages, man. They're incredible. Every um, time I every time the issue comes out. I like forgive the delay because it's like <laughs> it kills me so bad. But then I see it and I'm like, it's oh, just I'm so like, good. Yeah. It I'm just makes like, you forget about I'm it. Like, take, take as much time as you need. Like, he's, he's incredible. Yeah. I just, I can't, I can't say enough about Gary Frank and the biggest, one of the biggest regrets of my life is when I was like 18 or 19, Midnight Nation had just finished up, which we've, you and I have talked, we've all oh, talked yeah. on, on social media before. It's my favorite comic of all time. It's so good. Um, and he was just selling those pages off on eBay and every page was like a hundred or 200 bucks, sometimes serious? even cheaper. Wow. Oh my God. Um, that one and Chris Pachala's Witching Hour, which was one of my favorite comics of all time. They were mm-hmm. just selling, those pages were all over eBay. And I was like, I didn't buy any at the time because like, I had a little bit of money as an 18 year old, not a ton, but enough but to not be enough like, to spend I could have bought a page or two of my favorite comic of all time <laughs> oh. and I didn't. And I just, I die inside because those pages are nowhere because the people who've bought them just covet them. Oh, yeah. And um, if you could find one now, you couldn't afford it, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I still found some witching hour pages here and there, which I need to grab at least one or two of them. But yeah, Midnight Nations are just the people who love that book, like I do love that book and have, have snatched everything up. So and, yeah, Midnight Nation was, yeah. I mean, JMS and Gary Frank. Yep. It's like, that's a, that's a dream, <laughs> dream yeah. pairing. I didn't even know that book existed until <laughs> I had a reason to read it for the podcast. So, which is, it's a lot of fun now. Wait, now we own a copy of it, which is all, all well and good. So, <laughs> so you choose comics as a career. Yep. Um, how, how tough do you have to be mentally and stuff? Because I know <laughs> that this, this is something that we need to talk about more because sure. a lot of people are. I'm sure you get asked constantly. You know, how do I get into comics? How mm-hmm. do you do it? And I know. Um, when we had Doug Wagner here and we did yeah. the interview okay. with him, his advice was to get his. Your first 100 rejection letters. Yeah, he or said, get like them that. as quickly as you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's like, he's like, it's kind of bitter and it's kind of you know blunt, <laughs> but he's like, that just just get them out of the way. Yeah. So what kind of I guess mental toughness and thick skin I guess does it kind of take to? Because I'm sure you face you know rejection left and like you were saying some of your earlier stuff that you criticize now, but yeah, I mean to give you and this is a little bit I'll have to to give some understanding or context to this, but I, I showed my portfolio in, um, July of 1999. 
Uh, and I was almost 16, so you can count backwards on how old I am now. But um, yeah, and I just I got destroyed, but which is fine. That, it, that's kind of it's actually never been criticized as harshly as I was as a 15 year old, which I guess it was terrible. But the editor just tore me up and I probably didn't break in until so 99 2014 or 15 probably oh, 2015 wow. as i guess when you could say i broke him now with that if you guys you know dial back five minutes ago um i wasn't knocking at every door the entirety of the time between there mm-hmm. but I, I you know spent four or five years straight doing portfolios and, and then quite a few years after and when it's once i decided before i broke in and it just it takes a lot of time and not everyone but it takes that that persistence and that mental attitude of, mm-hmm. of, of, of learning and you studying. Want it. And, yeah. <laughs> um, and it, you know, there's some of the things that I, I, I think I did wrong looking back is I was very much for those first five years as a teen being like, all right, if I just, if I just draw and keep drawing and keep drawing that Malcolm Gladwell, 10,000 hours makes anyone an expert. I'm like, I will get there. I will get there. And I didn't, I got better, but I didn't ever hit where I needed to be. And looking back, I was like, I, I didn't factor education and learning and and study into the process i was just like i'll just keep drawing i'll just keep looking at my favorite artists um and i didn't stop to be like oh i should probably pick up a book and learn how to do anatomy or study perspective Mm -hmm. or or look into to understand visual storytelling and that's what art school did for me and i'm not a proponent of art school but i'm not anti-art school i'm like find the avenue that will help you learn the best way. If you can mm-hmm. teach yourself, you'll save yourself a whole lot of money. For sure. Um, but if you need someone to help you point you in the right direction, there's online schools like Comics Experience. There's art schools like SCAD or SVA or or other places. So there's there, there's there's lots of different kind of um, facets to breaking into comics. And part of it's persistence, part of it's mental fortitude, part of it's like um, ability and willingness to learn and to study and to hone your craft. Uh, and and you know, kind of the the temperament to just keep going. Definitely, um, I will I, I will never tell an artist to to give up and and look at a different career um, because I was told that uh, by one of my favorite artists uh, really? when I yeah, when I was like nineteen or twenty, and he said it in a super nice way. But he was like, I was actually 18. this might not be for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, literally, I was eighteen. It was right before I turned nineteen, and he was just like. In the nicest way possible, he said, "Like you're, you're too old and not good enough to break into comics." Oh, wow. oh. it's like there, there, there's a window, like a graph. Like by this age, yeah, you need you to be this, be this good. good. You're and I was here. Not. <laughs> so the fact that I'm drawing comics now and they haven't kicked me out yet show goes to show you that a- anyone can do it. So I won't mm. ever be like you know, look into law. Like there's, yeah. you can make a lot of money as an attorney. Um, but there's that amount of like, all right, what am I going to, uh, to sacrifice or dedicate in order to do this? I, mm-hmm. I, I've talked, I'm, and you brought up Doug, Doug and I have taught at, um, Bo here in Salt Lake for close to five years together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I think Doug is one of the best teachers and I absolutely love Doug and such a good guy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and we, we've, we've taught a lot of students, um, and we have some great students and some really cool people who I really like and, and really, um, um, and I've seen them shift their mentalities from like, I'll draw when I feel like it mm-hmm. to, to shifted to a dedicated, like, this is what I'm going to do. And I will sit down every day and I will practice and I will get better and I will learn. And, and everyone, you know, who gets to that, I'm going to make it point. Um, it, it's, it's all different times. Like it might take them a while. It might be after school or, or at some point to be like, oh, I should probably like, do more than just play video games all day. Mm-hmm. Like, because I, I spent for years being like, I want to break into comics and I'm just going to read comics and sketch all day. And then yeah. once a year for San Diego, I would do my portfolio. 
to whereas after a while I was in art school and then afterwards I would like put together new samples and be constantly drawing and never stop drawing and yeah. page a day and, and, and whatever it is that, that dedication needed to bring in order to get there. So yeah, you got to constantly do it. I mean, it's like if you're going to yeah. learn to play the trombone or whatever, you're only going to uh-huh. play it once every two weeks. Yeah. You're probably not going to be that good at it. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's something you got to invest the time in. Yeah. So another thing I wanted to bring up too is like, Specifically drawing comics, mm-hmm. you have to have a wheelhouse of so many things you can do because I think a lot of people want to say like, well, I can draw really good Captain America or mm-hmm. whatever. It's like, okay, but can you draw Captain America in this pose? Can you draw yeah. a fire hydrant? Can you draw an ATM machine? Can mm-hmm. you draw, you know what I mean? You have to be able to draw anything that could possibly in, be in the background or be involved in whatever story that the writer gives you. Mm-hmm. So you might be able to draw the best Spider-Man in the world in this one pose that you've practiced over <laughs> and over and over again, but you have to be able to, you know what I mean? Draw. Mm-hmm. So I guess like what, what's some of the advice I guess you would give to other artists out there that, you know, like I are there, but they're not, you know what I mean? Yeah. No, it's a great question. There is a concept designer who now runs a concept design school in Shanghai called Feng Zhu. Uh, and Feng's incredible. And he has a video on YouTube where he talks about like fundamentals of art. And he's like, yeah, you can practice drawing this face uh, 10,000 times and become a master of that specific face. But when a client asks you to draw that face in another position, you got to go back and start over exactly. 10,000 drawings. This is the most important thing to do as an artist is to to learn your foundation and fundamentals so that you can construct a figure in any type of situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not worried about that perfect Spider-Man pose because you can draw Spider-Man in any pose now exactly. because you've studied dynamics, you've studied anatomy, you've studied perspective, you studied visual storytelling. Um, so it always goes back to the foundations and fundamentals. And as much as I like tights and capes, I love them. Um, in comics, 90% of what you're going to be drawing is normal people doing yeah. normal things. Um, that's how Superman looks heroic or fantastic is because everyone's normal around him. It stands out, yeah. Um, yeah, so I have to, you know, you have to like draw cars or buildings or fire hydrants or mm-hmm. phones or, or tall people or short people or skinny people or big people or any type of in-between variation is once you can kind of draw everything, that's when um, you, you your skills are really kind of starting to get to the level they need to be. And mm-hmm. that's hard. Um, I had a, an art instructor who was like, as a comic book artist, you have to have the skills of a graphic designer, an illustrator, an architect, uh, a cinematographer, a storyboard artist. You have to have all of those together and get paid less. You really do. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, like you really do. You have to be able to put out whatever you're given. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said, you, ha- you basically have to be able to draw anything, any given thing on any given day. Yeah. And. Um, anatomy like you brought up earlier is important too Mm -hmm. and that's you know stuff like some of the 90s artwork that gets criticized and stuff for (laughs) you know being this or that whatever it it is important though especially now i feel like people are more sticklers on stuff like that Mm -hmm. and um you know i bring up todd mcfarlane a lot on this podcast because he's one of my favorites and i'm a (laughs) 90s kid but i know he talked about early in in his stages that even as a teenager he said there'd be times where i would spend like two or three weeks on like arms Mm -hmm. and like just or hands and just all these different positions and then once i felt like i got it then i would do like shoulders or knees and like just Mm -hmm. and all these different you know i just spend just a page full of hands a page full of like faces doing different facial expressions and this and that it's yeah because you're not always going to have superman with his hands on his hips with a cape Mm -hmm. flip that's not the only pose he's ever going to do it's not you know batman looks cool standing on a gargoyle but it's not (laughs) <laughs> like that might be one page or that's a cover but okay yeah. show me him you know punching a dude show me him hopping into the batmobile or show yeah. me him eating a hot dog you know yeah. I mean, whatever it's you have to be able to do whatever you're asked to do mm-hmm. so i guess like what's the best way 
to build that other than just draw like that's i guess the obvious one uh, sure yeah i mean drawings obviously there's lots of great books out there to study and learn from um like andrew loomis has a, a huge library of books like uh, figure drawing for all it's worth and um i'm trying to remember like there's so many of them and i'm blank creative illustration is another one he wrote all his books in the 50s and there's there's tons of books there's tons of videos there's all sorts of things i always use kind your of, resources yeah use your resources go back to the fundamentals and foundations constructive anatomy mm-hmm. things like that i'm a big proponent of like reference um like if you have to draw a phone go look at what a phone looks like take a yeah. picture of it google it on your phone and I'm like yeah, i use tons of fo- even photo reference for mm-hmm. all my figures and the thing is i use them as a base to start with but you'll find photographs of things depending on the lens or what's used can cause weird sorts of distortions or it's not quite what you want mm-hmm. so you have to take that base and then go back to your like construction figure out like oh i need to shift this hip there or that arm there or things like that. There's a lot of different tools. Um, I think sometimes early artists think that they have to come up with everything out of their head. And if they can't come up with that out of their head, then they're not a real artist. Mm-hmm. I'm actually glad you brought that up because it is important to know, like, it's okay. Like, oh, yeah. it's okay to Google, like... Oh, my gosh, please do. A, a um, mailbox. It's okay to Google. You know what I mean? It's yeah. all right. Yeah, and it's, it's one of those <laughs> don't, uh, don't take that responsibility on yourself because your brain only has so much information to store in its visual library. Mm-hmm. Use all the tools to your advantage. That's the fun thing about comics um, that it might take a little bit to learn is it's a commercial art. It's not a fine art. You are supposed to put out a product with X amount, you know, so many pages with so many panels on a specific deadline, whether it's four five, six, eight weeks, depending on what you're working on or what book it is. Like it has to be done and it has to be put out. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is a, an aspect of it of like, what can I use to get this done and do it the best of my ability? Um, uh, good Ryan, Katie, we were sitting next to each other at uh, New York comic con and I was drawing, I was talking about a, a commission I had drawn uh, something before the show. And I was like, I got it done. And I was like, all right, that's good. And I went to bed and the next morning I got up. I was like, it's not good enough. I got to rework it. And it was watercolor. <laughs> so I'm like reworking the watercolor for like an hour or two. And then I let it dry and I came back and I was like, oh man, I worked it to death and I destroyed <laughs> it. And I had to throw it in the trash and start over oh, again. No. And he was, he was like, Phil, remember like done is better than perfect. Yeah. Um, and you're like, all right, yeah, it's true. Like in comics, the uh, complete issue is better than half a perfect un- incomplete issue. Um, nothing and it, it there's lots of things that go into this but as a as a reader nothing disappoints a reader more from an artistic standpoint than getting a book that's like one artist and then halfway through it switches to another artist and maybe a few more pages that's from another the worst. artist. Oh yeah, I will I will second that. Yeah. And I mean from the production standpoint, being being behind the scenes, I understand why that happens and it's not always the artist's fault. I come to find out I would say it's maybe only fifty fifty, sometimes even less time it's the artist's fault. But you will get some artists who are just can't hit a deadline to save their lives and it, it's it i understand why it happens but it still sucks when yeah. you like pick up a book and you're like oh, this it is takes issue it, two how did you have to get a fill a fill in artist on issue it two? takes yeah. you out of it man it takes it you does. out and it's then you have hard. to get used to it because you you've already read halfway through and you're already used to it and uh-huh. how it looks and then all of a sudden it switches up and you're like wait what yeah, different styles, but there's also different visual languages. The way mm-hmm. I tell a story is different than the way yeah. a different artist will tell a story. And yeah. It's the tone of the book, too. Yeah. I think a big part of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially now with books, a lot of books are double shipping now. I, yeah. It looks like uh, at least Marvel and DC are kind of backing off the double shipping a little bit, which I'm kind of glad for. Yeah. But I mean, for a while there, they were really in full force of double shipping. And it's like, there's just no, I mean, you're going to have rotating artists constantly. There's yeah. just no way to do that. Yeah. And I mean, even at that, if you have a book that comes out twice a month and you work with two artists, there's only a handful of artists who can do a regular monthly book 
or like you know a, a consistent amount of issues like that like if yeah. you have like john Romita jr and mark bagley in the mid 2000s when they yeah. were doing one to two books a month oh, like dear. they can still nail those deadlines but you there's a there's a physical and mental toll as an artist that comes with that for much sure. work can, for that long of a time so Bagley's one of my favorites too dude. he's incredible just, he was doing oh. an issue of ultimate spider-man every three weeks for five to eight years or something like that it's an it's insane amount of work it's one of my favorite comic book runs of all time i, I love ultimate spider-man it's so good <laughs> but uh so you do it you persist you mm-hmm. get it you keep going what's it like i guess what's the first thing that that gets you know legitimately published done and what's it like to see your name on a book for the first time like what's that satisfaction like after the rejection after the <laughs> you know what i mean yeah after you put so much into it it's like boom you can hold it in your hand it's something physical you can touch it yeah it's it's, it's really cool um it, it it's it's the level of satisfaction is a little bit weird because it's like a mental thing right that's what satisfaction is uh, there's not a way to measure it. It's where you're never quite 100% sure. Like, have I broken in? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Am I here to stay? Am I going to get a job after this one? I think it's every freelancer's fears or thought process. So there's not a way to be like, ha I made it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you like I am. I mean, I was, I was submitting samples and sending stuff after I graduated from SCAD. I had a, a writer reach out to me in early 2013, spring 2013. And he had just gotten a book approved um, by Action Lab. Uh, and the artist that he had um, done the pitch with had to back out, had his uh, commitments come up. And he was like, hey, I saw your stuff on DeviantArt of all places and I like it. Well, will you draw the, you know, I got this book. Can you draw it for me? Um, so it was, a, uh, so I worked on that book for six months. It was four issue miniseries called The First Hero. Uh, and I finished that at the uh, fall of 2013. Mm-hmm. It didn't come out for another year. Um, just with getting it all, uh, Action Lab wants the book done before it comes out, which is a smart thing for a, for like a smaller publisher to make sure there's not delays and there's a consistency. Uh, but there was, you know, and then to find it in their schedule. So I was like, all right, what do I do now? Um, so I entered the Top Cow Talent Hunt. It was the second year that they did that at the end of 2013. I drew a Witchblade script, so I got to dig back in my long boxes all my oh, old Witchblade yeah. issues and, <laughs> and go back to being a 15-year-old. And so I submitted that, and in April of 2014, I got notified that I was one of the runner-ups uh, in the Top Cow Talent Hunt. So oh. that means that meant I got to do an eight-page short story paired with one of the writers who was a runner-up. And I think that year there were 15 runner-up artists and 14 runner-up writers. It okay. was a year that they they did it. They had like two, they had like four winners, um, and then a bunch of runners. It was crazy. It was the biggest one they've ever done. They've limited their scope a little bit for their sanity's sake. Um, but because there was one more artist than there was writers, um, Matt Hawkins, who um, is the uh, I'm trying to think what his official title is. He's the he's one of the head, the head guys guy at Top in charge. Cow. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's, he's, he's guy the guy charge. at Top Cow. Yeah, <laughs> he's the guy. The, uh, the assistant editor at the time was uh, a writer by the guy uh, by the name of Ryan Katie. Uh, and Ryan was his was an assistant editor, and he was like, "Hey Ryan, you did a good job helping organize the Top Cow. Um, why don't you pick one artist to do a short story with?" Um, and Ryan looked through all this stuff, and he picked me, and he reached out. Um, so we got to start getting to know each other and becoming friends and collaborate. So mm-hmm. I did a a Magdalena short story and that Katie's fall, yeah, and that Katie wrote, um, and then it wasn't out. It didn't come out until like this, this February of next year. So we're into February 2015 now. Um, and right around the time it was coming out, so it was four or five months after I'd drawn it, uh, Ryan called me up and he was like, Hey, I just got a one shot with Top Cow. Do you want to draw it? And I was like, of course I do. Uh, and that was Athena nine, which was like another 
first issue that I got to do. So by this point, the first hero had come out into stores. I, I went into stores and bought copies of it. And ahead yeah. of time, like I went into stores and showed them like the thing like, hey, do you want to order this book? Um, so uh, stores like Black Cat uh, were super supportive and, and, and Dragon's Keep and Dr. Vaults and things like that. I don't think the nerd store wasn't even around oh, no. back then. I met them like the following year as I was doing Top Cow stuff. But yeah, so like, Athena 9 and then they were doing a couple one shots that were in connection with their ninth generation book, which is like Aphrodite 9 and stuff like that. Um, so there was four of them. I did the first one with Ryan. There was two more that were being done. And then the fourth one was going to be Poseidon 9. And one of the, uh, the, the, one of the winners of the Top Cow Talent Hunt the year I did from the writing side was a writer named Teeny Howard. And Teeny was writing Poseidon. She had done a, a Witchblade one shot for them. Oh, wait, Magdalena one shot for them. Uh, and Poseidon was like her second book. Okay. And Ryan Ryan did some good behind the scenes maneuvering and got my art uh, in front of the right people. And they asked me to do Poseidon 9. Um, so I got to work with Ryan first and then Teeny. And then like a day after I got offered Poseidon 9, um, the editor uh, at the time called me up and offered me a four issue run on the tithe. Um, which is a creator-owned book that uh, Matt and um, Rashawn okay, Ekdahl okay. created it and done four <laughs> issues. And then they had moved on to do more Think Tank, um, but they wanted to keep the series going. So I worked with Rashawn on the art for that. Rashawn did um, the layouts for me, and okay. I and I did full art for that. And then as I was doing that, Tomb Raider, got, I got offered but Tomb Raider from an editor I knew there for a couple of years. And it's just kind of one thing after another. Um, and so it was like crazy right. busy and working we'll on all sorts of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I'll keep going. You interject um, whenever. It's a good transition. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, interjection, I guess if anybody uh, wants to see Phil's first stuff, that, that first hero book is actually, um, on Comixology Unlimited. So if anybody has, oh, there you go. if anybody has a Comixology Unlimited subscription, you can read that for free with your subscription. Oh, that's awesome. And the so. one thing I really liked about that book, obviously I drew it in 2013. That's five, over five years ago is when I drew it. Um, and I think this is uh, something I try to, to, as I've worked with a lot of students, because during this time I was I was teaching at Broadview, um, teaching a lot of comics art classes and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. the one thing I stressed to students was when you do something, do it, work as hard as you can and do it the best you can. Because as time goes on and your skills improve and you can look back at older work and be and see all the problems you have with it, you can also be like, but I, I did the, I, I, I can appreciate the work that I did in that book. So, I mean, I look at that book and it's, it's really old, but I very much still I can look at the pages and I can I can be proud of the work I put into it, even mm-hmm. though, you know, it's five years and 30, 40, 50 comics, hundreds of pages later. Uh, and I can see where my skills have gotten better. And I look back and there's things I can cringe at from an artistic standpoint. But from a like, I worked my hardest and I did my best on that book. I can still very much am proud of the work that mm-hmm. I did in that book because I, I didn't leave anything on the table. Which is great. Yeah. Cool. Uh, yeah, we're going to talk about Tomb Raider here for a second. Because <laughs> yeah. I think for, for most people, that's going to be, I think, where they're going to know you. I, I know before I knew you, mm-hmm. that's why I know Phil C.D. is the Tomb Raider guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so you did like a 12-issue run on the main Tomb Raider book, and then you just finished up Inferno, mm-hmm. which was four issues, right? Four issues, yep. Right? So um, if anybody hasn't picked that up, go pick that up, because that just wrapped up, I think, last month. Yeah. Uh, last um, issue came out the beginning of October. Um, the trade will so, be out in January. Awesome. And I think you got two trades, right, of the of the the previous mm-hmm. the previous run of your work. I think there's a third trade after you left or whatever. Yeah, Survivor's but. Crusade comes in between my run, my first run, and then Inferno. And they all work uh, together. And Tamaki, right? That wrote that wrote Tomb Raider with you on the the first. Yeah, so Mariko Tamaki wrote the first uh, two volumes of Tomb Raider that we mm-hmm. did, and then they, so good too. <laughs> yeah, I, she was awesome. And then she's writing X twenty three now. I think, she's writing she? X twenty three now, great. and she's written Hulk and Supergirl being super. And yeah, oh, the Supergirl being super book was so good. Not I, to mention uh, this one summer that she won an Eisner for before all of this, and oh, a bunch yeah. of other like independent great work as well. And she's doing Lumberjanes and all sorts of stuff. 
So um, Tomb Raider, besides besides the obvious answer of a paycheck, what about <laughs> what about drawing Laura Croft? I guess like is worth it for you. What's what about that is enticing or interesting to you as an artist? Yeah, no, I mean when I first got offered the book, obviously it was a it was a, a big book, uh, a big character, a big character, a legacy character. I mean, I was working at Top Cow, um, but who started the Tomb Raider comics, and now Dark Horse has the Tomb Raider license. Um, but I mean, I, I got some of those first issues of Tomb Raider back when you know Mike Turner first drew her in a Witchblade crossover, and then Andy Park drew the first couple arcs of the book with Dan Jurgens, and it was just like those were great comics, and oh, I Dan loved Jurgens them. Too. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I mean, like incredible artists who like I loved. So to be like, oh, following the footsteps, <clears throat> yes, of course I will. Big shoes, um, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, just following in the shoes of, of artistic icons of mine to do like a, a really cool character mm-hmm. um, was the kind of the initial draw. And then as I worked on Tomb Raider, I got to know the Tomb Raider community, um, fans and professionals and people who run websites and blogs and like they were the coolest people ever um she's got a fan base laura's got a fan base she does and her fan base is the best um i I was a little worried at first like you work on properties with with really passionate fan bases you're like you never know what kind of backlash yeah yeah like there's certain fan bases who like either love you or hate you to death and And i was like they hate you it's so toxic yeah it's really bad i've had friends if they hate you they really hate you if they like you they might just be like hey i like your stuff but if they hate you they really hate you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's nobody like really going out of their way that much. Like, you're the best ever. It's like, oh, I like you. But if they hate you, they're really gonna let you know. Like, it's just the world we live in, I guess. But. Yeah. So I was worried when I started. I was like, oh, are they gonna hate me? But they're like, they're the best community. They're so loving and they're so supportive. And you know, I we started on that book at the end of 2015, and it came out in 2016. And so 2016 was the 20th anniversary of uh, tomb raider yeah so i got to be involved in a couple 20th anniversary events at san diego got to go and like community dinners and hang out with people and like there's people like i legit consider my friends um who i met through the tomb raider fan community okay um so to work on that book like that became like a really uh, really gratifying part of working on was being involved in a in a, a legacy character that i got to know how much she meant to people on a personal level and how much um, who she is as a character and what she represents um, uh, really touched and affected people. So to be involved in that was one of those like kind of kept me going and any opportunity I get to go back to Tomb Raider for the rest of however I will Mm -hmm. Um, because I I love working on Tomb Raider stuff. For sure. Yeah, because she is. She's a a big character. She's a very iconic character. Mm -hmm. And I think, I I don't think she gets uh, nearly as much like credit when you talk about like some of the bigger like video game i don't want to say mascots but i mean people that you know when you think about like mario and you think yeah, about like Sonic. Icons and, i think you know when when playstation first launched as its own thing i think it was right there with you know crash bandicoot and laura croft were kind of like their for you sure know, their things and she's crash bandicoot kind of fell off she's stood the test of time for the mm-hmm. most part with a couple movies and a, a movie last year you know what yeah I mean? She's never really left the the pop culture zeitgeist, I guess. Yeah. You know what I mean? She's and she's still probably one of the most popular cosplays you'll see at most cons. You're always going to yep. find a couple Laura Croft cosplays, yep. probably because it's a pretty easy cosplay to do. You know what I mean? It's one of the more yeah. simple ones to do. It's not a big extravagant thing you have to build, yeah. but uh, it, it look, always looks good, mm-hmm. and everybody's immediately going to know who you are. Mm-hmm. But um, so yeah, I guess the pressure i guess to live up to yeah is it is that something that you kind of have to like work through i guess like i guess what when do you get over that is it a couple issues in or like yeah do you just um, i guess learn to shut it out yeah when i got the when i got the call for tomb raider it was a monday night is when i talked to the editor there and i started on tuesday morning 
So it was like jump right into the pool. Um, like I had the script in my inbox that night. It was just like, oh, okay, I'm going. So there's a, some initial worry about like, ah, am I going to like me? Am I going to be able to do this? Um, but by the time the first issue came out, I was already, I think I'd finished issue three. So I was on issue four. Okay. Um, so there's that nice comfort of like, well, if people didn't like the art in issue one, don't worry. I'm three issues ahead. I think the art's better now. Um, <laughs> and you're you're on a production schedule. And there were some scheduling bumps along the way where I had to get stuff out a little bit faster. Like where I didn't have time to think at all, like about like how are people thinking about this? It was like, I got to get this book out the door so it's not late. Mm-hmm. Um, so you just kind of you get rolling and you get going with it. And then along the way, I'm constantly trying to evaluate and figure out like what's working, what's not, what can I do better? I think I did the first arc uh, traditionally for the most part. And the second arc I did all digitally, kind of switching up um, the way I approach stuff. And there was lots of figuring out kind of what I'm doing as I was doing it. And that's why I, I think I really was super happy to come back and do Inferno a couple of years later. It was I had learned a lot and I was able to like uh, approach drawing Tomb Raider in a way that I felt much more confident and I felt looked better and lined up with who she was and learned all this stuff. So it was really cool to come back and be like trying to to, to put a, a, a stamp on it that I I like better. For sure. Yeah. Um. Because Laura Croft is an iconic character and because mm-hmm. she's an iconic, very strong female character, I kind of wanted to just touch on, I know this is a conversation we've kind of had, you know, off mic before, but yeah. I guess, um, you know, comic book art has taken a lot of criticism over its portrayal of women, sure. spe- uh, especially, I mean, it's gotten a lot better than it used to be, but there's mm-hmm. still, you know, times where it's like very unrealistic Mm -hmm. you know body types and objectification and very sexualized and everything so i guess how do you kind of is that something you think about when you're drawing Lara croft you know it's like is that something that you kind of keep in your head to you know draw her as a person or you know because when i see your pages from tomb raider i don't think like oh you know like look how big her boobs are (laughs) you know what i'm saying yeah like so is that something that you think about or is it kind of just out of your mind you know when i was first hired um i didn't know initially i mean obviously i found out rather quickly like which version of tomb raider am i drawing um am i drawing like classic lara or am i drawing the new like relaunch lara and i found out the next day that we were following up the rise of the tomb raider so it was the relaunch lara which i'm like good because like just stylistically i don't i don't um gravitate towards cheesecake or feel that I execute it well. Mm-hmm. Um, so if they were like, can you draw a sexy whatever? I'd be like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of things personally that, yeah, like I, I'm against uh, objectification or sexualization in a way that is is demeaning or derogatory sure. or, or, or very exploitative. Um, I actually love any opportunity I get to draw guys that way just to feel like I'm balancing the cosmic comic scales. Um, I'll draw beefcake any day. Um, I love that too, because it makes people so uncomfortable. And I love just like, I love that it makes people, cause it's like, it's like, look how uncomfortable this is. You know what yeah. I mean? But it's because you're just not used to it. But this sort of thing over here, you're perfectly used to, you yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, I mean, so do you see what the problem is? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I love that. I think it was cable that you drew or something. He's okay. like wearing like a speedo. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'll draw Sexy cable all day. Yeah. With Thor, with, so with Mjolnir, so cleverly placed. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's like stuff like that. People like look at that and they're like, "Yeah, they're so uncomfortable by it." You know what I mean? But like Power Girl or something. That's how we feel. Yeah, exactly. Or, or Starfire or something like that. And you know, I love Starfire to death, but there's uh, there's a lot of portrayals of her that I don't care they for. Get really crazy with Starfire. Yeah, yeah. she she's toned down a lot less. I really like what they're doing with her yeah. as of lately. Okay. I think Amanda Connor's done some really good stuff with mm-hmm. Starfire, but. Um, I just I do think that is important. I do think that because I do think for a long time, I think comics were considered a very guys thing. Yeah. 
not only just in the fan base, but in the the creative part of it. You're seeing a lot more women work in comics now. Yeah, I mean, and I've talked a lot to people, more women in stores now. I've talked to people who said like, if you, uh, readership is like fifty fifty now. Yeah, as much as we still try to think like boys mentality, or you get you know angry voices in comics who're like, give me back my old comics, and it's like that's that's not how things are anymore. No, there's just as many women reading comics today. There's you know. I wouldn't say just as many, but there's a lot more, like you said, retailers. and We're getting and, and there. We're, yeah, we're getting there. We're making, I think, it's very much. It's baby steps. Yeah, and there's a lot more books that are geared not just towards women, but geared towards all different types of people. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a nice range of diversity in books. You can still get your your muscular dudes in tights punching each other, uh, but you can get uh, anything along this, this scale as mm-hmm. well to, to, to satisfy your story needs or whatever. You're I, getting... think, I think a lot of people that think that um, when, like women aren't reading comic books mm-hmm. or like that men are still the majority yeah they're probably not in comic books like they're not reading them they're just yeah. remembering back in the day they're or something in their bubble. Or, yeah yeah they're yeah. just in their bubble yeah. yeah for sure i think that's very much the case i mean yeah. i know like uh the the group of creators who've kind of come up at the same time i am um i i is probably 50 50 as far as genders go Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's across the spectrum um, of gender and, and of everything. Like, it's a, there's a lot of creative voices that are coming out, and there's people who are fighting against that. But that's an entire another like oh, podcast yeah. Yeah, that topic. It is. Yeah, <laughs> we actually did a podcast on that topic. We you did go talk back about this? that with Kylie yeah. and Charles. We want to go listen oh, yeah. to our comic skate episode. Oh, geez, but yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, but I do think that stuff is important, and I do. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I know you have kids. Yeah. I have kids myself, daughters, and stuff, and it's like. I do want to be able to hand them things like, look at this, you know, yeah. I mean, show them that, you know, I mean, we talked about Michael Turner earlier mm-hmm. and as I do think he's one of the best who ever did it. I've, yeah. I, I was a huge fan of his, especially when I was a little bit younger. Mm-hmm. And, but there's also things too, where it's like, I love the book he did with Jeff Loeb, the Supergirl book, you yeah. know, back when they were doing that world's finest book, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I, I really think that story is solid and it's one of the best introductions of Supergirl that's maybe ever been done. Mm-hmm. But I also can't give that book to my kids. I, yeah. ca- I can in good conscience give that book to my kids because Supergirl has a thong coming out of her jeans for a majority of, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. stuff like that. And so I do think it's important to have books where it's like, I can give this to my kids yeah. and like have them read it, especially as women looking at these strong women characters and mm-hmm. you know me having somewhat because they they really do they're an influence to people uh very serious and i think there's 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 good ways to approach it and then there's bad ways to approach it. i look at the current hack slash book that's being pro- um, put out by image i don't know if you guys have had a chance to to read it but teeny is writing it teeny howard and um uh, an artist name is, is I would say C-Lore. It's C-E-L-O-R. Okay. Um, but I mean, Hacks, she, uh, Teeny and the artist very much work together to use kind of like sexuality and cheesecake as like, uh, as a, as a, an empowerment thing. Mm. Like that's how. It can be done well. Exactly. And it, the, yeah. there's a very much like tongue in cheek way approach they're doing it. I mean, it's not some mm. dude like writing creepy stuff no. to be like trying to get, you know, look at that like type sex, of. Look at like sex criminals and stuff. What yeah, Zdarsky exactly. and stuff have done mm. where they can be very sexual, but mm. it never, it never feels demeaning yeah it's not exploitative and that's a book that's made by two dudes demeaning way. yeah mm-hmm. but it it treats the women characters i mean it, it, the main character is a woman and it yeah. treats her very respectfully mm-hmm. um so yeah it, it definitely can be done yeah very very well and i think that we have this idea that like like half naked or like really like exaggerated body parts is mm-hmm. so connected with sexy and i don't think that's you know like i think you can be sexy. like i can look at like a Captain Marvel comic, whatever, where she's basically oh. covered from the neck down. Yeah. And I think she can be sexy. Mm-hmm. 
without having you know what i mean so it's like yeah. why are those two things so connected yeah sexy isn't necessarily connected to your body or your body yeah. type or what you're wearing or not wearing it's it's more of like a, a mindset and a, and, a, and a confidence or a personality and it's not 100 percent, but i think that's more to do with it than mm-hmm. than we initially think or perceive yeah for sure and saying you've got women not only working in comics now mm-hmm. but like working on big book I mean, we talked yeah. about saga earlier mm-hmm. Fiona's so good. Yeah, she's amazing. And and not only and women working on not just women characters, but men like Kelly Sue is about to launch her Aquaman run that she's yep. going to start and mm-hmm. stuff. And it's like you just didn't really see that a couple years back. Yeah, I mean you're not as much. It was, it was a lot more limited. You had like Gail Simone or Devin Grayson. Gail or Simone is a gift. Barbara Kessel <laughs> or Anna Nos- Annie Nocenti or Louis uh, Weezy Simonson. But that's like the Louis five women, the five too. women in comics for 20 30 40 years yeah. Um, yeah it's thankfully opening up because you when you bring in different people you bring in different ideas and you bring in different customers and you bring in a different audience and you just it's not we're not all fighting over the same piece of pie the pie just gets bigger the more differences you add to it that's and i think I love that. it's not it's not subtractive it's additive and mm-hmm. i think that's what maybe some people don't realize but i'm I think we're seeing it now as, as we're bringing people who would never go into a comic book store now, but they're buying Lumberjanes or they're buying Saga or Sex Criminals or Walking Dead or mm-hmm. Superman or Batman or there's just a different way to to reach out to different people. Definitely. There's something out there for everybody. That's the best thing about comics now. Mm-hmm. Like, there's something out there for everybody, no matter what it yes. is you're into. So um, Halloween is over at the time of this recording. It was the day before. Yes. But um, if you're still in a spooky mood or you like horror comics, which is <laughs> always good, you wrote The House. I did. Which is a book that you guys did like a Kickstarter for, right? You guys self-published it. Yeah. Um, you and Drew. So mm-hmm. uh, talk a little bit about that and where can people get it? Because it's it's not such an easy book, I guess, to get as much as far as it's distributed. It's on Comixology yeah. if you prefer the digital stuff. But mm-hmm. as far as a physical copy. Yeah. So The House is a World War II horror book that I did with artist Drew Zucker. And then um, Jen Hickman did the colors and Frank Vetkovic did our letters. Um, House is a book that we started in 2010. Um, I just met Drew at New York Comic Con and he reached out to me afterwards and was like, hey, man, do you write? And I just started SCAD and I was like, I think I'm a better writer than I'm an artist right now. He's like, cool. I got a I got an idea that I want to draw, but I need a writer. He's like, it's like a it's like a haunted house story set during the Battle of the Bulge. And that's like all he said. And I was like, I'm on it. Um, It's a good concept. Yeah, it was great. So like two months later, I sent him back like a six page outline of like a 144 page graphic novel based on like three sentences he gave me. Um, And then we started working on it from there. So what it's about is about a squadron of U.S. soldiers um, during the Battle of the Bulge who get lost in the woods uh, and a uh, blizzard starts to roll in um, and they stumble across an abandoned mansion. They take cover inside to take shelter from the the elements. And once they get inside, the door disappears. Um, And the book is about them trying to escape the house. It's a madhouse. Yeah, it is. Um, So, I mean, I worked on the writing uh, for, she's, I think, the final drafts of the scripts were 2014. So on and off for four years. And then Drew started drawing it. He's so good, too. He's he's fantastic. That's a beautiful Um, book. Yep. And then so he was drawing it all the way through 2000, when did we come out? 2017, last year. Yeah. Um, but so it's a seven issue um, miniseries. Um, issues one and issue seven are double sized as well. They're anywhere between thirty five to forty two pages. So it's a good size trade. It's all collected. It is one hundred ninety two pages. So like as we were putting it together at various stages, we would like put together the pages and a pitch, and we would send it around. And we got it. We got um, far at a couple different companies. 
Um, but we all seem to hit people at a time where they're like, oh, you know, like horror's not really doing anything or period's not really doing anything for us. And which now we laugh because like uh, half the companies out there publish nothing but horror books. But uh, for us, we just and kept period hitting, pieces and period pieces. <laughs> yeah. We just kept hitting like, oh, we don't do horror right now. Um, so we just decided one day we were like, you know what? I'm tired of waiting for permission to do our book. Let's just do our book and we'll put it out there however we have to. Let it speak for itself. Yeah, so we released it digitally via Comixology, and then at the end we launched a Kickstarter and then funded the print run of the book, and we printed out copies of it. It's a 192-page trade. Um, we have it for sale, like Drew's website, my website, which is just philipcv.com. I've got a shop. You can buy it there. We've got it in a handful of retailers here like locally in Utah, some in New York. We're working – we have some in Texas as well. Um uh, Lone Star Comics, which also runs my comic shop.com, have copies of it available. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can order it between all three of the um, us and then uh, my comic shop.com. We're t- working with retailers slowly, kind of across the board, getting it out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I need to follow up with a bunch of ones I've talked to. Um, but yeah, that's where it's at for now. It's something we're super, super proud of. It was received um, really well. It's even gotten yeah. some recognition and stuff on some different lists that people put together of yeah. you know, horror comics and that. Yeah, so. Pace.com just added it to their list of like top 100 horror comics ever, which is awesome. Which is and it great. was horrortalk.com ranked it as one of their 10 best horror comics of 2017. So we've got a lot of like really good reviews and vibes and, and people have enjoyed it. And he said, it's a book we willed into existence. No one mm-hmm. else helped us get it out there. So um, warts and all, if there are any, I'm sure there's warts and everything. Like we're super proud of that book. And anytime I'm at a show, I always bring a bunch of copies and sell it. Um, I think I sold like 35 or 40 copies at Emerald city last year. Like wow. anyone who walked up, I would give them my one sentence pitch and they would be like, sounds cool. And yeah. they would buy it. And- I think it works. I think it works on a lot of levels. I, I, I really enjoyed it. It's, I wouldn't call myself a horror fan specifically, but I, I'm definitely just a, a fan of good storytelling. Yeah. And so I just, I think it works. And I think, I know you guys out there are horror fans because I know when we had Doug over here talking about plastic, you guys went crazy over that podcast. Yeah. So the plastic is so good. It is so good. So or Mary, you're the horror fan then, right? Mary is I'm, more the horror I'm more fan. the horror fan. More than yeah. like, you know, we were just talking off air. Like we, you read like lock and key once a year. Oh, lock yeah. and key once in a year. Yep. Lock and key once in a year. Yep. yep. She's the one that got me to read lock and key. Yes. After yeah. years of talking about it and telling yeah, I, him. I, I was way late to the party on lock and key. And yeah. We could do an entire podcast on like best horror comics. Uh, that, that's forever. one that I have. I have like a notebook full of like if we ever run out of ideas I got like you yeah, know you let me know I'll cover that too. can I do a top six and it be one two three four five six of uh, Lock and Key my <laughs> top six is just all six but in no particular order Lock and Key volume one through six uh, uh, just gonna disrespect plastic in the house like that oh it's that. top seven and plastic <laughs> no house at eight and the house. <laughs> it's okay. There's too many. There's it's, too it's many. It's hard to compete with lock it and is, key. It is hard. <laughs> it's th- there's a lot of good stuff out there. We're uh, we're working on the our uh, our follow up to the house right now, and we're gonna oh, try okay. and give, oh, awesome. we're gonna try and give lock and key a run for its money. But I didn't uh, know there was more to the house. Yes. Is it gonna be the same house? No. Um, yeah. So like we had a lot of people along the way asking us like, are you gonna do a sequel? Are you gonna explore more stories? Because we hint at and flesh out a little bit of other people who've been in the house that it's mm-hmm. been around forever. Um, but Drew and I decided at the end of the day, like we, we, we used up all our marbles on the house. We, we feel like a sequel would just retell the same thing. Yeah. Um, so he came up again, a really Drew's my idea, man. He came up with like, what if we did this? And it's kind of like a spiritual sequel. I'm not going to say what it's about. It's going to be, the book is called the camp. We okay. revealed that much. I think okay. in the last issue of the of the house, if you buy it digitally, we have a little teaser image for it in there. Okay. It's not in the trade because we didn't want to like 
advertise something per se. We just wanted to like give the story. But um, yeah, so it's 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 going to be another war horror, um, okay. but it won't be. It's not a sequel, but it could exist in the same universe type thing. We we call it a spiritual successor. So For sure, I've I've read probably four to five thousand pages worth of, worth of research material. Um, I have the basic structure broken down. We've got just stacks of books around. Um, whereas this one will be a lot bigger in scope than the house. But we're hopefully Drew will get started um, drawing it next year, which means I need, I need to start writing it more <laughs> than just like a, a notebook full of notes like a mm-hmm. crazy person. It seems like it really is like a perfect like collaboration between you two. Like the house is like this perfect kind of love child of yeah. You know I mean, two two guys that just you know were both really into the idea. You know, it mm-hmm. wasn't so much of it was more his, and you kind you know it seemed like you guys both really kind of had a a part in making this as good as it was. Very much so. Like if you get the book, like we actually don't credit who wrote and who drew it. It just mm-hmm. says by Drew Zucker and Philip C V. And then we give credit to Jen and Frank um, for their contributions with art with uh, colors and lettering. They did a phenomenal job. Um, but like it was so much a like, kind of a, a a synthesis of work. Mm-hmm. Uh, which occasionally throws people off either when they read it or review it. And they'll be like, art by Philip C.V. writing by Drew Zucker. Yeah. <laughs> like, actually, <laughs> technically, it's the other way around. But, Especially you know, if people know you from, like, Tomb Raider. And so, yeah. like, oh, well, he, he's they, an artist, so he must have, you know. Exactly. Like, no, yeah, they, guys, he writes, I too. actually write, yeah. <laughs> uh, another thing you did that I know Mary and I really liked was uh, One Shot You to Call Paradox. Yes. That was yes. another book that you self-published that uh-huh. I kind of wanted to plug that I'm sure is on your website as it well. It is, yeah. Um, this is really cool because it is a one shot and it's, you know, it's one and done self-contained thing, but it's a really neat idea. And it's, it's, it's interesting the way that it's laid out because you read it horizontally. Yes. Um, the, you know, it's, it, you flip the book up on its side and read it. Yeah, it's like you know? a calendar. Yeah. The yeah. That, that, that's the best way mm-hmm. to describe and that it. That is so cool. Um, <laughs> and just, that really drew my eye and that's why I got it. And I would just love it. And, th- and this is just. Um, 100% you doing everything yourself. Everything, yeah. Um, I think you put your name on the book like four times, right? Like, well, I can <laughs> say the only thing I didn't do is the logo. That was designed by Tim Daniel. And okay. Tim Daniel is like the best logo designer in uh. comics. And he's <laughs> awesome. All the vault books he does the logos for. He's done a ton of logos for other stuff. And I reached out to him. So he did the logo, which I love. And he put my name all the way across the top. And I was like, <laughs> all right, that's how it is. But people give me such a hard time for having my name four times on <laughs> like, the oh, cover. Look at, look at, this, e- look at the ego on this guy. <laughs> I like, know, right? Like, man. Just own it. The head's just yep. getting bigger. I did everything. Yeah. <laughs> Except the logo. <laughs> so where does Paradox kind of come from? And I guess where was the, what was the process of putting that book together? Because sure. you had to do it all yourself. Yeah, no, it's, it's twofold. One, the first fold is that it was an idea that I came up with. Like the scratchings of it were in 2011 or 2012. Um, and then in 2013, I'd forgotten that I had come up with this little inkling and I started developing um, what would become Paradox. And I was trying to develop it as a pitch and I had it an idea as like a 40 issue ongoing series. And I was trying to break the story down into this big thing and it kept falling apart, falling in on itself. Um, so because Paradox is about um, a guy who's trying to prevent himself from destroying the universe, basically through a time travel paradox. And the problem with having looping like time travel stories is like you just the logic starts to fall apart the longer you can think about it and look like there were so many holes and I couldn't plug the holes in the story fast enough to keep the story moving. So after like forever of trying to break it down, I just backburnered it. Um, So flash forward to when I was finishing up my run on Tomb Raider uh, with issue 12, like I had been working, I'd done 16 15 16 issues of comics like in 13 months or something i was just exhausted i had nine eight or nine conventions that year as well i was just absolutely mentally and physically exhausted from working so hard um so i wanted to do something i was finishing it up in in november and usually comics from 
like kind of like a um, an editorial or production side kind of take they don't take the last month of the year off but it's a lot quieter mm-hmm. between you know thanksgiving and new year's um so as freelancers you're normally not going to pick up jobs for books people have their books staffed out through the beginning of the next year so they can enjoy their holidays and things like that so i was like well i can't get any work right now but i want to let people know that i'm still alive i sh- i want to do like maybe i could do like a page a day web comic just to throw something up there i had some friends who were doing similar just fun little things i was like what can i do like what story? And after a couple of days, I was like, "Oh, I can dig that story up. Can I figure out how to make it work in a small setting?" Uh, and then I, I just started. I I sat down one day and I had one or two ideas, and it just kind of broke apart and then fell into place as a perfect like thirty day comic. And I knew okay. exactly how to. I outlined it like in an hour, and I wrote the whole script the next day. And then I started drawing it, and that was just I posted it a day at a time on Tumblr through all through January of two thousand seventeen. Yeah. Uh, and then I had a bunch of friends who were like, you should uh, kickstart this book. And I was like, all right. I, I knew, we knew we wanted to kickstart the house at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd done all the legwork for Kickstarters before that I'd never launched. And I was like, well, this will be a good experiment. It's like it'll be a low budget goal, a low goal, a low goal. And I can kind of get a feel for what works and what doesn't for using the house later. And we kickstarted it and printed it. And again, I got copies in my website and, for and sure. a couple stores around in Utah have it. And I think I had a, a store in Texas I gave a bunch of copies to, but beyond that, it's not widely. At this point, I've, there's one or two companies who've I've talked to about maybe re, reprinting it and um, distributing it. But it's also a one shot. It's a little bit harder to sell a one shot um, than anything else because it's like, oh, is it? Because it's just a one shot. Yeah. Yeah. I would think that'd be easier because it's like. It's not a big under. It's just like here it yeah. is. It's right here. It's like, you know. It's- it might be easier at a store to sell a one shot, mm-hmm. um, but I think like selling it to a publisher or something like that to be like I sell one. Because they want something to be done. like more ongoing. Yeah, right? there's not four issues in a trade or, yeah. or that type of longevity. But uh, yeah, something they could put on a shelf at a store that's gonna. I guess in their eyes, it's not gonna last. You know. What yeah, I mean? it's just one and done. So yeah. I mean, I, I I think there is a a market for that. I just haven't. It was just something to do to kind mm-hmm. of like stretch myself creatively. I, I I drew it 100 different than I draw mm-hmm. Tomb Raider, and I decided, well, let me color it and I'll letter it and I'll just do all this. And even the format was something I'd wanted to do forever, but never mm-hmm. been able to do a horizontal comic. So I was like, oh, we'll just turn it sideways and just to, just, just to do it, just to like you know. Why not do something 100% different than what I'd done so I could stretch muscles and, mm-hmm. and kind of relax other things. And that one I don't think is not on Comixology last I checked. It's not. Of, I need. So... I just need to put it up there. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I, as as it goes now, you, you guys got to go to Phil's website. Yeah, and, I've got and, and I've got a digital it. copy of it there. You can also just go to paradox.tumblr. Like, what the heck is my website? I haven't checked it forever. It's online. All the pages are free online. That's on oh, my okay. well, Facebook, on my Tumblr. Like, you can just read it. But if you want an actual, like, Collected copy of it, you can get it from my website. Mm-hmm. It's definitely worth a read. It's say it's it's a quick thing you can read in you know 10, 15 minutes, and it's uh, I I really enjoyed it. It's it's I think it's hard to tell a full story in one issue. You know what I mean? So yeah. I respect and admire when it's done. You know, because I, I do think it's it's a tough thing to do. Yeah, like the house. It's another one of those things that I did all on my own, and obviously Drew and I did the house together on our own. But it's something I'm super proud of because it's like. I did this all and did all put it out there and, and, and everything. It's kind of nice to have that freedom, though, like just creative, like Paradox oh gosh, is 100% yeah. yours. Like, 100% if I want to do this, I can just do it. There's no, you don't have to ask yeah. anybody, you just do it. I don't think there's any other book that that states more who I am as a creator than Paradox, which is ironic because the art is entirely not in the style I usually draw in. But mm-hmm. I guess as far as like how it, I want to tell, yeah, how I want to tell stuff. stories and what I want out there, that's that's me. 
Um, and it ended up being like a lot more personal than I thought it was going to be. I was like, oh, cool, sci-fi, this, that, and the other thing. And about halfway through as I'm right, because I wrote it all in one sitting, I was like starting to type things. Where I was like, ooh, that's more personal than I intended it to be. Or like <laughs> I had a, I had a, a, I think it was Andy, Sebastian, who we, we mentioned before. Andy's um, so good too. Andy's awesome. And if you he, haven't read his book. Yeah. Oh my read gosh. Read his book. Danger to Self is incredible. That book, that book tore me down. I was, uh, I was Andy's instructor as he was writing and drawing that okay. at, at Bo. And I was just like, oh shit this is incredible it's so um, raw you know what i mean it, it's yeah. it's so raw and it's so vulnerable exactly and yeah. it's it's it, it feels so personal you yeah know what i mean and you really get that in every page whether you meet andy and you get to talk to him face to face you really get it more but mm-hmm. even just reading the book you can tell it comes from a very real place yeah so, so i think i'd given andy a copy of, of paradox uh, i don't know I, early on maybe because i got it all done before i printed it out mm-hmm. yeah and his response was like i felt uncomfortable at times like i'm looking too much into philip's life like i just set it down for a little bit so yeah <laughs> things came out of came out in that That's book in good, a way because it resonates though I, yeah i was i was pleased with that it wasn't necessarily intentional at first but it became that as i wrote it mm-hmm. so. I, I think people like don't like to be bullshitted you know what i mean like mm-hmm. I, I think that you can tell when it's real yeah and say Andy's book is another one that's really good. It is. It's, it's fantastic. We need to get him on here too one of these days. We're, yes. we're, we're working on it. Again, but. it's scheduling. Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's hard. Everybody's busy. But um, So besides the freeze, I don't know if there's any other uh, future projects either you can um, talk about or want to talk about. Sure. I, can, I can tease a little bit. So, I mean, um, obviously I'm working on the freeze right now with Dan Wickline at Top Cow. Um, I'll go finish. Up. So good. Yeah, I'll finish drawing it by the end of the year is kind of when I've, I've projected I should be done with that. And then obviously the first issue will be out in December and it'll be out through the spring. Um, Tomb Raider Inferno the trade comes out in January Dark Horse is doing a Tomb Raider adult coloring book adult oh, in as it's oh. for adults not that it's naked Tomb Raiders yeah um, though I'm sure that has a market in and I of itself I hate that term adult coloring <laughs> book because it really is just a coloring book it's a coloring book yeah it's just it's, like everyone every time I say adult someone's like what do you mean yeah. by adult um, so yeah I did a, I did about a third of the illustrations in that book oh which is really cool I got to work with like Randy Green who did Tomb Raider and Witchblade before is doing some I didn't work with him but he's in the book as well and some other great what's Tomb the Raider approach artists. to that when you're drawing pages specifically to be colored like how do you so appro- different how do you approach that differently from like obviously what's going to be in a comic yeah i did 10 illustrations for it and i was like i'll I'll bang these out in a week and it took me like like a month to get those done they were so (laughs) hard because you're thinking you mean it's you're not it's all deadline which means like the line art is essentially the same thickness i'm not like you know having thick to thin lines i'm not doing cross hatching i'm not doing black spotting or anything like that it's all very open you have to think about like how are people coloring these shapes i'm drawing like every leaf on the tree or every palm frond or this like it was very detail oriented but also not in a detail oriented way that i'm used to doing with tons of teeny lines like there Mm -hmm. had to be some and i got to draw like um scenes from all of her different video games like tomb raider one and two and three and four yeah and then so yeah i got it did they do at least one where she has kind of like the triangle pentagon looking i I drew them all in my style (laughs) so i didn't do triangle boobs but (laughs) it would be funny to do it just to do it you know (laughs) one of these days like like just one page out of the out of the coloring book just for somebody out there to. um and then after that i have a creator own series that i've i I mentioned it or teased a little bit Mm -hmm. on on my socials but so i can't announce what it is or whatnot but i have one that i will be writing penciling inking and coloring that's through dark horse wow. correct? i think i revealed that sure why yeah, not I, I think it's in the contract yeah i, I posted yeah. a picture of the contract yeah that I'm, I got. yeah it i'm, just I'm pretty sure it's a dark horse. dark horse so yeah so that's 
So that one will be out next year sometime. I'm cool. hoping for an announcement in the spring, if not early summer. Um, I, I can't say much more about that, but I'm very, very, so very excited follow for Phil for when that news does drop yeah. eventually. I'm actually writing it right now. So cool. I draw Ooh. comics through the week, and then the weekends I hop over and work on my, my story so with my editor. So this is going to be a writing thing for you, or are you going to draw it as well? I'm drawing it as well, yeah. I'm doing oh. all the art. writing, drawing, inking, oh, coloring. coloring. So I'm just... doing everything but the letters. So wow. I'm bringing my buddy Frank Vetkovic, who did the house and lettered a bunch of stuff over. Because even though I lettered Paradox and I learned a lot, lettering is an art form and it is difficult and it is time consuming. And, and those guys get no love people. either. They get no love and no money. Um, <laughs> Poor so guys. like I was like, I am Shout not out good. to the letters. Yeah, letters man. are amazing. I got, I've oh, had some great letters I've worked with over my time. But yeah. <laughs> when are you and Doug going to team up on some? That's what you guys ought to do. I, you got to ask Mr. Yeah. Mr. 8000 Series in the Works over there, yeah. Doug. Like, I'm down. <laughs> I, like, I love Doug's writing. He's incredible. We're going to bug him next time we see him. <laughs> you are more than welcome to. Like, Mr. I will, 8000. I know. Yeah. He needs to get, get those artists drawn a little bit quicker. I keep telling yeah. them every time I see him at like shows and stuff, I'm like, man, it kills me because I want to come like talk to you and just BS with you and I want to support you, but I'm like, I own everything you have. I know. It's true. I'm like, we own it's everything. True. We bought all the variants. I'm like, I'm like, you need, I need to see something else on the table. No. Give us more. He's like, I know. He's like, it's, like, it's, it's out of my hands. <laughs> but um, yeah. That'd They're be awesome. working hard. Oh, I know. He, he's hard. got some, some really cool stuff coming next year, I think is the yeah. plan. So. Yeah. I know he's doing something with Stealthree, so I mean, that's it's gonna look really good when it gets done, if it ever gets done. No, he's got good stuff coming. I think this year, we I talked about we both taught at at Bo here in Salt Lake City, and the school is um, closing at the end of the year. Um, so he kind of has taken on a closing bulk. forever. Yeah, closing. What? Uh, yeah, oh. unfortunately, there goes Mary's dreams of I'm never my dream. <laughs> <laughs> Um so yeah, so he took on a bulk of the comics courses, teaching them to make sure all of the students in comics or who wanted to do comics got to finish their degrees out. Oh, cool. um, whereas I've just been too busy this year. I taught a little bit at the beginning of the year and then had to step back because of my schedule between the freeze and Tomb Raider Inferno. So he has taken on an excessive course load in teaching students. So he was like, it's worked out that I don't have tons of books like that are actively coming out right now mm-hmm. because he is he is killing himself to get all the students uh, taught and finished up and get their books out and all sorts of stuff. He's done an incredible job with that so 2019 should be the return of wagner to his shelves because it was really kind of badly timed too in a sense that it's like i think plastic really became bigger than a lot of people so yeah a lot of people that maybe weren't familiar with doug's work and stuff really got familiar with doug after plastic so it's like oh cool when's the next book from this guy coming out it's like crickets (laughs) crickets <laughs> for a little while like hey, he's he's working on it guys well he had um like, what is it hard time the hard, place. the hard place hard place yeah. which, which followed out yeah which, which i can never say right yeah hard place is great I love and, that and, book. And, and i too i actually go back and forth between which of the two i like better yeah. to be honest like plastic is definitely the more i guess like original idea like more the, edgy yeah. the more, more edgy. Of like mm-hmm. yeah like if if, if, you, if you had to describe the two that's probably the one that would grab you more because yeah. it's like the idea is more interesting mm-hmm. i guess I'm, but i think the hard place is like executed really well like yeah, i think it it's, yeah. it's done really it's well really so. really good book um we we kind of plugged your website and stuff a couple times um for you know the house and paradox stuff you have original artwork and stuff on there i don't I know do, yeah if, a little bit how much is left or whatever but constantly be checking there mm-hmm. um Say I don't about your Tomb Raider pages or whatever, whatever's left or for, or future yeah. projects. Be checking on there for when it comes out. Yep. Um. I don't know if you uh post on there for like commission lists or anything else too. I think I, you can actually purchase commissions from the website. I need to 
look at that and see if I want to shut that down right now. <laughs> I've just gotten through a, between Inktober and then I did a million commissions, pre-show commissions for New York Comic Con. And I mean, technically, well, I'm, I'm going to do so some good, commissions though. this weekend at the local con. I'm just going to do uh, watercolor head busts again like Which I were did. so for, good, man. I did those for uh, Wasatch Comic Con. And yeah, you do bro. your commissions just in like spurts, like you you get a bunch and then you have to shut it Pretty down. Pretty much. I usually, a, I will usually just do them for shows or in conjunction okay. with shows. Mm-hmm. But every now and then, like on the, the never really happens day that I'm like free, have a little bit of free time, then I'll open some commissions up because I love doing commissions oh, yeah. so much. They're so probably, much fun. Probably just like the uncertainty of it. Like, like you love opening up because like, oh, what's somebody going to ask me to draw? Like, <laughs> I think I would just love like that anticipation. Like, what am I going to get asked to draw? Like, yeah. And I've gotten this year, especially I've gotten nothing but like really great requests. And not like I've cool. gotten bad requests in the past, but they've been much more predictable like, superhero type stuff, which yeah. I love superheroes so much. And I haven't really ever drawn anything professional. So that's where yeah. I get to kind of exercise that muscle is in commissions and stuff. The commissions. Yeah. A lot of the ones we were lucky enough to get one. I think we posted it on all of our stuff. The Carol cool. one that you did for us turned out so good. Oh, thanks. That one was and, fun. Uh, I got, that one taught me. I was like, I really like John Carroll. <laughs> She's fun. I love that costume design so much. I think that's like one of the best costume oh, yeah. designs of, of recent years. Of you know, just that thing. it were, It's one of those ones where like it looks so much better on on a woman than it, you know. It ever, it's kind of yeah. like my feelings of like the, the Wolverine costume on X twenty three. I think it looks way better on her than mm-hmm. it did on Logan. And it's just I don't know. It's just a, it's just a good design. It yep. fits really well. And yeah, those watercolor ones. We you know you did a Mr. Miracle one for me that turned That's out right. really really yep. well. So I got it up there with my Tom King so Mr. Miracle. <laughs> which is good. Oh, nice, there it is. Yeah, nice side by side over there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so get something done from Phil because he's he's awesome. He's gonna knock it out of the park. So I'm pretty pretty sure we posted it on all of our our social medias that that Captain Marvel one because it it, it looks so good. <laughs> so. Um, Let's see. Let me check. Okay. So, yeah. Make sure you're following him on social media. Say pretty much Phil CV or Phil CV comic art pretty much yeah. everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll find him. Yeah, most most places now. You can, just, you can just search. It'll, There's it'll not too up. many other Philip CVs out in the world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, before we get out of here, we're going to do weekly picks. Um, sure. So, it doesn't have to be something that comes out, came out this week or whatever necessarily, but just something kind of current. What are you What are you reading right now? Like, what are you... Something kind of current that you're digging what, what are you oh, liking lately man see I, I i play big catch up you will usually when i'm on like crazy deadlines the the comics will just stack around my oh, house i'm sure and then once i have a little bit of breather i'll just grab arcs at a time and like sit half down. a long box to read. yeah and read through stuff um a couple of books that I, I think are absolutely phenomenal and i mean they're not shocks like, I, don't, I don't think i'll pull any like deep cut out here but um rainbow um Rowell and chris anka's runaways at marvel okay um, is marvel's best book right now really it is so good it is the best marvel's runaways has been since brian cave on and um, adrian alfona did that book and it was one of those like i bought it i was like all right i'll give this a shot right rainbow comes from um, prose novels uh, from what i understand and i hadn't read any of her work before and like it so good mm-hmm. um the first the first trade you kind of have to buy it together because it, it reads better in trade um but after that like it is it's such a phenomenal book uh, and it blows me away um other than that like paper girls by brian k bond is a book that gets better with every arc mm-hmm. i didn't love the first arc just because i was like i don't know what this book is about or where is it going which is a very much a Vaughn thing where he's like from issue one you know what this book's about and you know where it's going like mm-hmm. saga ex machina why the last man all of those start out with an issue where it's like 
whoa, I know everything. Set the tone, yeah. Yeah, but Paper Girls is very much like, it's what a slow the burn. heck is going on in this book? And it, and not that it was bad, I was just like, it was so different from what he does. Um, and that book is, like, I need to read the the recent arc that just finished up. I've been stashing them. Um, like, what are other, like, really good, Seven to Eternity by Rick Remender and um, Jerome Pena right is brilliant. <laughs> um, and I love... Like what's something? I'm trying to think of something. Um, so Warren Ellis has been doing the Wildstorm over at DC, and John mm-hmm. Davis Hunt has been drawing it. And it's a book that I don't think people are talking about enough, but it is so good. Okay. Um, and another one of those like I'm 18, I'm like I'm like 15 issues in, and I'm like I still have no idea where this book's going. <laughs> um, but it's one of the better Ellis books I've read in years, and it was oh, a huge cool. like Planetary is one of my favorite books of all time. And I haven't read anything like from him that I've I felt hits like a really high level in quite a while. But okay. Injection and um, and Wildstorm are two like Ellis books that are just top notch. And John Davis Hunt's art is brilliant. Um, and then, oh, and then and Declan and Jordy over on Injection are incredible. Um, so I don't know. I could like just go through my list. Oh, there's, I mean, th- th- there's a lot of good stuff out there. And I, I mean, any, it's hard. anything Tom King is right. Not Tom King, Tom Taylor. Sorry, Tom oh, King's yeah. great. But Tom Taylor, who's writing X-Men Red right he now. Tom's, uh, that was going to be my weekly pick. Oh, X-Men Red is brilliant. If you haven't read all new Wolverine, I'm, go back I'm and read so all new Wolverine. I'm so bummed that it's ending. Oh. X-Men Red ending. Did they, did they announce me? that it's ending? It's ending with issue 11 in December because yeah. they're they're I've, doing their whole relaunch with Uncanny. Yeah. I'm like, man, I, I'm very much a casual X-Men fan. I'm not yeah. someone that's really that much in the lore. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's never been my ballpark to play in mm-hmm. so much. So uh, for me, it really bums me out because I'm like, man, Marvel, you did it. Like, you got me to give a shit about the X-Men <laughs> for the first time in a good while, dude, really. And it's like, yeah. Like, well, and there goes that. But Tom Taylor getting a new Spider-Man book. It's so. going to be fantastic. I'm a huge, like, I, I honestly hadn't read anything from Tom until this year when I had a bunch of friends were like, X, Red X-Men's Red's good. And I love X-Men. So I picked it up and I was like, oh, this is incredible. And yes, I went back dude. and read all of All New Wolverine, which is brilliant. Which is really good. Um, so Injustice can, is really good. I need to read Injustice. It's on my list. It is really good. Mary, yeah. tell us about Ice Cream Man because we know what your weekly pick is. I didn't get to read it. <laughs> well, it's your weekly pick anyways. I'm sure it, it would be if you had read it. Oh, well, <laughs> yes. If I had read it, it would be Ice Cream Man. Always Ice Cream Man. <laughs> but, since I, but since I didn't read it, then I'm going to pick The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. <laughs> Oh okay. Oh, that is okay. <laughs> it's been so much fun to watch. Okay, yeah. So like, I, I've only watched the first two episodes, but the comic is one of my all-time favorite horror uh-huh. comics, and okay. it kills me every month that it's not out, and it's just pretty much disappeared. Who knows if it'll ever another issue will ever come out? Oh, that's too bad. Um, I don't know. Maybe with the TV. Show? I saw they're the, getting like sued by the Satanists now. Oh, the I Church of Satan is suing them. Yeah, yeah, I was like, dude. I was like, well, well, like when the Satanists get offended, like, <laughs> like, like when they're upset and offended, that's like. What does that mean for the rest of us now? I haven't yeah. heard of that, but yeah, I, love I heard that Sabrina, today. Like they're suing Sabrina. Netflix over their portrayal of Satan and <laughs> something, Sabrina yeah. or something. Sabrina uh, is just my childhood. I love, I love Sabrina the Teenage Witch. This is very much not it's your just, childhood. Sabrina. It's not my childhood, but it's not it's, your ABC it's my, family. It's Sabrina. my adult Sabrina. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go X-Men Red. I think issue nine, it's, it actually came out last week, but I didn't actually get around to reading it until this week. Okay. Um, so it, it, it's just the same, uh, story that's been going on this whole time. It mm-hmm. blows that we only get two issues left, but we finally get to see, you know, Gene and Cassandra kind of come to a head mm-hmm. and it, it, still building, but that this confrontation, it was so well done. Tom Taylor is just, like I say, anything he does right He's now incredible. is, is He's so the good. nicest dude in the world. I got to chat with him and meet him in San Diego this uh-huh. year. So. Okay. Yeah, he's he's another one. Of, yeah, I'd love to love to get to interact with at some point. But yeah, X Men Red, read that one. Read it before it ends. 
It's 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 hard to tell people to go read it now because it's like oh it's ending so what's I'll the point? I'll just wait another like, two months and get the like, trade. So. Like it's still read it even though it's ending. Like I, I hate that attitude. Like oh it's ending so like why even like waste my time? Like no it's just still good. Like yeah. it's a good story. <laughs> just read it please. Um, that's going to about do it here for us on Fortress of Comedy Podcast. Phil, thanks so much for hanging out with no us. No problem. Thanks for having me. Being a stud and doing two podcasts with us and getting the, the info out to the people on the freeze, which, you know, we didn't plug too much here because we talked about it in the previous mm-hmm. the episode, but uh, definitely go tell your comic shop you want the freeze. Yep. Mary and I have read the first issue. It is wonderful. It's and good. Yeah, we love it. Check out any of Phil's <laughs> other work. Go to his website. Get the house. Get Paradox. Go back. Read Tomb Raider. And as soon as we, you know, can find out what your Dark Horse book is coming out, we'll talk about it. Well, Don't yeah, worry. definitely. <laughs> oh yeah, let's let's get you back and do it again, and we'll 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 plug it as much as we can. Awesome. Um, yeah, and that does it for us here. Make sure you follow us on all of our social media, Fortress of Comedy Podcast, everywhere. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're most places now. I uh, haven't figured out Stitcher yet. Give us the stars and give us the yeah. follows. Come on, guys. <laughs> Five star ratings there and good go. reviews. I love it. Uh, <laughs> we're going to be back here next week for our next uh, new show that we started last month called Drunk Book Club, where Mary and I <laughs> yes. drink wine and talk about a book. We did Lock and Key last month. Uh, this month, we're going to do Old Man Logan, the Mark Millar, Steve uh, McNiven, yes. Old Man Logan. So um, it's going to be fun. That'll be next week. Wine makes everything funner, so (laughs) wine and comics is a good combo. But uh, until then, I'm Tyler. I'm Mary. And thank you guys so much. We'll see you next week.